0: The Paul Leslie Hour, helping people tell their stories. And now, your host, Paul Leslie. Hey, it's me. How are you doing, friend? Welcome to another episode of The Paul Leslie Hour. My name is Paul Leslie, and I'm the host of this show. On this episode, I'm going to be pulling out an interview with Charlie Midnight, who is an incredible songwriter, record producer, author, and mentor. He is responsible for the writing, conceptualization, and production of albums throughout his career that have sold more than 50 million copies worldwide. This was broadcast on the radio a number of years ago. It was done over the telephone, so you might notice that kind of telephony sound. I didn't have quite the equipment that I have nowadays, but nonetheless the content is quite good. You want to talk about a versatile songwriter. He's written for an incredible list of people. Probably one of the most popular songs that he wrote would be the James Brown song, Living in America. You know that song? Just to tell you a few of the other people he's written for. Cher, Britney Spears, Joe Cocker, Paul Stanley of Kiss, Dan Hartman, Chaka Khan, Katy Perry, Seal, the Doobie Brothers, Hilary Duff, Natalie Imbruglia. He's also written with the country singer-songwriter Jamie Johnson. I don't know if you've ever heard of the song My Way to You that appeared on the iconic The Guitar Song album. That's versatility for you when you can write for Britney Spears, but also for Jamie Johnson. He's also written for a couple of artists who pretty much, if you look throughout their discography, have only recorded songs that they wrote themselves. I'm talking about Billy Joel and Joni Mitchell, who both recorded the work of Charlie Midnight. Recently, he co-wrote the song Barbara Streisand recorded as a duet with Andrea Bocelli. I Can Still See Your Face. My memory of doing this interview with Charlie Midnight was that it was either Christmas Eve or maybe the day before Christmas Eve, and he had a Christmas party at his house. The sound wasn't very good because you could hear a lot of hustle and bustle, But I think somehow this communicated something about him. There was a joyous feeling I got from talking to him, and I liked the guy very much. Maybe one day we could do an interview in person, and it can be filmed for you all to watch. Enjoy the interview with the legendary singer, songwriter, record producer, Charlie Midnight. Ladies and gentlemen, it is our pleasure to welcome our special guest, Songwriter and record producer Charlie Midnight.
1: Hello, and I'm glad to be here.
0: Well, thank you so much for joining us. Who is Charlie Midnight?
1: Who is Charlie Midnight? A singer, songwriter, producer, guy who has been very fortunate to have a uh, to work a lot of years doing what he loves. Started out in in uh, Hurst, Brooklyn, made my way to Manhattan, and now I'm in Hollywood. What was life like growing up? Just a normal. Middle class Bensonhurst existence. My father was a factory worker, and basically working class neighborhood, and I think it was fairly, you know, normal growing up in the streets of Brooklyn, playing stickball and punchball, and trying to uh, get out of school as much as I could.
0: What music do you recall hearing around the house growing up?
1: Oh, around the house, <laughs> as far as my parents went, it would be, uh, I guess, uh, Andrew Sisters, Frank Sinatra, those. Type of older classic. That's what I heard from them around the house. As far as myself, it was it was a normal. It was the Beatles then the Rolling Stones. You know, all of those great Jimi Hendrix, all those great '60s bands. But uh, you know, that was the music of the times. Nothing unusual. Just grew was fortunate to grow up in a time of what I consider to be the most influential music. I guess the past fifty years.
0: Can you recall the first time you wrote a song?
1: Actually, I can, which is bizarre enough, but it was in my uh, basement in uh, Bensonhurst, and I wrote a song that I thought would be great for Johnny Mathis. (laughs) Of course, I didn't know if I could show it to anybody, and I never did. It didn't go anywhere, but that's, I think, the first song I ever wrote, and I can still sing a little bit of it.
0: Do you want to?
1: It was terrible. (laughs) <laughs> we'll see. I'll work up some nerve maybe a little later on. <laughs>
0: Our interview is with songwriter and producer Charlie Bennight. Do you have a preference? What do you like more, writing songs or producing records?
1: Well, if I can produce an act that I love, when I work with Joe Cocker or Doobie Brothers or... You know those type of acts. I love producing. I love producing. It's just completely different. It's a different type of involvement and time involvement. I think. I think if I had my druthers, if I had to choose one or the other, it would be songwriting. I can write songs all day long, and I do, and I love them, and I love the collaborative process. It, it keeps feeding me, and I work with young people, and you know, older, and, uh, and it's really it's a constant deed of inspiration and a cross pollination of ideas.
0: Tell us about the first song that you wrote that was recorded by somebody. How did it make you feel?
1: I think the first song I ever wrote that was recorded by somebody was... I'm not sure that I even knew it was being recorded by anybody, so uh, it didn't really make... I mean, I guess I was glad to have the opportunity, but it really... That was in in the really real struggling days, and I haven't effective didn't effectively change anything for me, and I, I didn't really feel that much. It was just keep pushing forward single day, you know, with bands, and it was with... Man, I forget. The drummer for Kiss... But Peter Chris, Yeah, it was on a Peter Chris record. I don't even know to this day who the publisher is. I do nothing back then that you needed a publisher, that, that somebody had to keep track of things. So, uh, But I mean, it, it was a kick when I got the opportunity. I was very young, but it was a kick. The first song, there was a song that I had my own album out in 1983 on Columbia. Um, the subsidiary called Decent Records and and it was a Charlie Midnight record and and that was a real kick recording it because you know you struggle for a lot of years and suddenly you actually get to do an album I mean it was one of the least successful records I think in the history of Columbia nevertheless the process was was great getting to do it and uh, it led to many other things so that feeling was really good the feeling of it not being successful and what happens thereafter when you realize that it's back to the drawing board that doesn't feel too good but Then I had then Dan Hartman heard the record. Dan Hartman, who was we became writing partners later on, but he had heard my record and somebody had sent it to him and actually loved it and gave me a call and said he wanted to do some writing. And I said, yeah, well, considering my album flopped and I'm broke and I'm working the graveyard shift as a legal proofreader, yeah, let's go ahead and do it. And I was very fortunate, and uh, Dan Hartman opened up many doors for me, and we started having um, some success. And uh, the first song that we had success with was on a soundtrack called Breakin', which was a breakdance movie, which nobody wanted to write for. Dan said, you want to take a shot? And I said, hey, yeah, let's do it. The album wound up selling three million copies, and that was, oh. When I heard that, and I heard our song, I had heard it on the radio walking through the streets of New York from a car radio. That was a real kick. That felt really great.
0: On that note, tell us about Dan Hartman. What was he like to work with?
1: Dan Hartman, I, I think, was a genius. Dan Hartman, besides being able to play every instrument, being one of the greatest songwriters and singers, and one of the uh, the best people that I had ever met gave me every break. He was brilliant. Watching him in the studio was inspiring, because he would play guitar, he'd punch himself in, he'd roll the tape. He taught me a lot. Being in the studio with him taught me a lot. He uh, told me to, uh, that I could be a record producer, and I said, okay, and then he started me off. He was very strong in that he liked to follow his own path, and he didn't base what he did on. What the industry wanted, and 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 more upon what inspired him. And I learned a lot of lessons from him. He was just brilliant. I'm sure you're familiar with the range of what he was, what he did, from the Edgar Winter Group to uh, the Disco Days, to Relight My Fire, to I Can Dream About You, to the to the things we did with James Brown. It was, you know, uh, you know, watching him was to me watching the creme de la creme of musical talent. Great friend, by the way, a great, 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 great friend.
0: Could you pick a favorite song that you and Dan Hartman wrote together:
1: That Dan did, and I think probably living in America, I mean that we wrote together. and I think that. And then he did a version of it on a subsequent album of his, where he did a collection of songs and was, you know, right before he died, not shortly before he died. And his version of it was amazing. And I think it was probably my, my favorite song of ours that he recorded, although it did record a lot a lot of what, of what we wrote together.
0: Probably a very difficult question. Of all the songs you've written, could you pick a favorite?
1: Mm, that is difficult. But I think that I wrote a song called "How Do You Stop," which was first recorded by James Brown. Uh, for James, there was the record that Dan Hartman and I did with James Brown, and. Joni Mitchell subsequently did a version of it in her own inimitable way. And I think that's my favorite version of, of any song that I've written because what Joni did, I mean, James Brown, of course, was always amazing. No one was more original than James Brown, but she put a spin on the song that I would never have thought of, you know, with her own co- beautiful chorded version like she always does. And she did a duet with Seal on that song, and and beautiful. I think if I had to choose one, that would be it. But as you said, it's a very difficult question. It's very hard to choose between, because you write songs for different reasons, for different people, and each one gives you satisfaction in its own way.
0: Well, tell us about that song. What was the inspiration?
1: We were writing James Brown when we wrote album and I don't know the end there was you try to put something personal of yourself I think every songwriter does that that you write for other people but there's always obviously you filter it through your own philosophies and experiences Song How Do You Stop is about as you I guess as you go through the years to find out what's true for yourself Uh, I was Told that one reason why Joni wanted to do it, she said, because people she hadn't found many songs. She very rarely did outside songs because she's such a genius songwriter. She heard the song and said that you know very rarely do people write mature songs for that can be sung by somebody who was her age at the time about where life takes you, how you deal with with whatever is thrown at you. So I mean it's hard to explain songs, but I think that comes close.
0: I wanted to also ask about the song sometimes.
1: Sometimes. Wow. You did some research.
0: In preparation, I listened to a lot of your songs.
1: And you're still talking to me. Boy, that's great. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that one was done by John
1: Waite. Sometimes. Oh, I love that song. That was one of the first songs that, that we wrote together yeah i don't know it's just it's a long time ago but i think that john wait who did an amazing job on the song i think it's a beautiful song and i and it was one of the first songs that i got cut by by somebody else and certainly somebody of i think john wait's ability i think he's one of the best song interpreters and I think as a songwriter you're privileged to have him sing a song and again that song stems out of I guess if you read into it it stems very philosophically out of uh, lyrically out of my point of view but Dan and I very much collaborated and, and often I would write pages of lyrics for him until we settled on what he was happy with to write his amazing melodies because he liked me to write lyrics first.
0: We're talking with songwriter Charlie Midnight would you say you're more attracted to the lyrics or the melody of a song?
1: Again, that's a difficult question. I think that depending upon the genre, it depends upon the genre of the song. A great melody sorta of transcends everything. When you have an amazing melody, the lyric I think just has to be unpretentious. It doesn't have to it doesn't have to be deep. It doesn't have to be overly clever. Because I think a great melody rules in a sense, but My favorites were people like Bob Dylan and Leonard Cohen, and and who took lyrics to to a different place for pop music. And Joni Mitchell was very, I think, autobiographical. And coming of age in the late '60s, where where lyrics became important parts of songs, and singer-songwriters became an important part of the landscape. That I do tend to look for something special in a lyric, and I am drawn to that. It doesn't, and to the honesty of the singer the great lyric, but there are some amazing melodies where you don't even know all the words for the song. And it doesn't matter. It's just great. So I, I'm, I'm attracted to... I mean, if either one, if, if it's great, I'm attracted to that. I'm attracted to the what I feel, anyway, is the greatness in either a melody or a lyric.
0: There's a song you wrote. It appears in the cartoon, Oliver and Company, and Billy Joel sang it.
1: Why should I worry?
0: Yes. Billy Joel is, in my humble opinion one of the greatest songwriters. And if you look throughout his history, there are almost no songs that he has recorded that he did not write himself.
1: I know I've been fortunate it's the same thing with Jody Mitchell I guess I don't know I guess in those type of instances I just have to feel really good at people of, of that uh, Billy Joel is certainly one of the classic American songwriters his catalog of songs is mind-boggling okay, and his melodic ability combined with the cleverness of his lyrics it's really something I think for for songwriters to aspire to yeah I've just been fortunate like that we wrote it for uh, Walt Disney of course Billy had to approve of it, and he was playing one of the characters. I think he was playing Dodger. And then we went to the studio, and Phil Ramone produced it. Billy had to approve of it, and he sang it, and they did an amazing job. And and the animated feature did really well, and it was, uh, you know, again, I mean, situations, when things like that happen, it's just really satisfying. Because you look for some kind of affirmation as you go along, and when things like that happen, for at least that brief moment in time until the next day, you feel really good.
0: One of the interesting things about your songs is they can't be limited to just one genre. For example, you've had songs recorded by Britney Spears. Yeah. And Hilary Duff. Mm Mm-hmm. How did the experience of writing songs for Britney Spears come about?
1: I've often been a co-writer with a production group called The Matrix, and particularly with Lauren Christie, who is a great and really brilliant pop songwriter and had her own solo career. They were writing for Britney and they came to me, uh, I guess, to make sure lyrically or to give them a leg up uh, Although it's very, very much A collaborative process Lyrically And you know You have to sculpt it For the artist I mean being a songwriter For me with well, the great thing about it Is that I can Write for different genres In different contexts But you cannot For instance I can write to Joni Mitchell Or Hilary Duff But you have to respect Each one for what it is And at that moment It's satisfying to At the moment You're creating it To create, it, to create What something That is successful For that particular artist artist in that moment Britney Spears was you know certainly I think was done really wonderful pop records and it was it was an assignment and they came to me and I said great and just what would work for Britney that's how that one evolved as far as Hillary goes might never written for anybody that young I think when she was 14 uh, her manager came to me the manager at the time said he would like to he would like to keep the quality of her pop songs up they thought of me and that's what they thought of me and then I was certainly I was happy about that and And I went on to write a lot of things for Hillary, who was a pleasure to work with, just the sweetest kid at the time. And, of course, it went on to be really really successful. And, you know, when you're a songwriter, we're always happy about that. It's similar in each instance is that you have to decide what the context is and then just go for it as honestly as you can in that context. Obviously, James Brown really different than Hilary Duff is different than Joe Cocker you know I had just had to write something last year for Cher for Burlesque He co-wrote the song Welcome to Burlesque and that was really a process because uh, you know I had to go onto the set with the director and the head of the studio and to ensure that, that they got what they wanted lyrically and I love that, that that challenge of in the moment having to deliver is you know also feeds you so it depends upon the contact Britney Spears Hillary Duff Cher and obviously, one of the artists might might be considered more significant than the other by somebody, but Britney Spears might be considered more significant by somebody else. So, I mean, I respect whoever I'm writing for, because that's the gig.
0: That's an interesting perspective on it.
1: Really, what's the... no point of, of... I mean, if you're going to take a job... Think think of yourself as a craftsman. If if, if somebody says, create me a great cabinet, now maybe it's not the exact cabinet that I would do for a Charlie Midnight record, but I still want to create the greatest cabinet I can and have it beautiful and have them really satisfied at the end. I've done my job. And I I think that's an important attitude to have with, with whatever job you're doing.
0: In an interview I did with the recently departed Ralph McDonald, a very successful composer of songs like Just the Two of Us, I Could Go On and On, Where Is the Love. He said that if music is your craft, you should be able to create music in any genre and be proud
1: of it. Well I agree with that and I mean obviously different things work for different people there might be some songwriters that feel this is what they do and and that's that and if they can be successful that way that's okay but I actually find it exciting I've worked even today I work with 16 year olds 30 year olds 40 year olds whatever rock bands pop bands R&B I love it all it keeps my blood boiling it keeps it it makes me feel rejuvenated every day so I think it's just fortunate if you can do that I agree with that take pride in what you do
0: there's a song you co-wrote with jamie johnson which jamie johnson recorded my way to you tell us about that
1: yes I love that song and I think Jamie Johnson is a brilliant artist and one of the most honest artists in certain ways that's out there but I wrote that song for him with him in LA and he came out here before he had the record deal that he has now and you know we sat down and had some ideas we sat in my living room and I don't know this amazingly talented guy and we started working together and I looked at him I said you know because I think he's such a great songwriter and his singing is I think just so raw and honest and, and it really moved me as we were sitting there and I said to him really you're really great what do you need me for and he said that he loved to collaborate that he truly loves to collaborate so we sat there and wrote it and a few years later and he gave me a call and he said hey just wanted to let you know this song's going to be a, a single and it's going to be on my next record and, and it was a big surprise and I was really really happy with the way it came out I, to me it's almost mystical and Jamie of course now is in, in his own ways. It is a sort of an icon
0: I wanted to talk about the songs you wrote, and I believe you also co-produced for the doobie Brothers.
1: yeah, I co-produced part of that first record with a Canadian songwriter producer named Eddie Schwartz, and we went out to. San Francisco Sosolito Got to work with the Doobies, co-wrote The Doctor with Tommy Johnson, which was successful. And another great experience because I'm sitting in the studio able to work with another iconic band and with amazing songwriters, Pat Simmons uh, and Tommy Johnson and the rest of the guys. And, you know, and then they asked me back a couple of years ago to produce a live record at Sony Soundstage. And I think they must have liked me and that was I think it was on Sony Classics. I don't remember, but yes, yeah, so I was fortunate with working with the Doobies. I mean, you know, I've just been really lucky, really, really fortunate to be able to uh, work with amazing talents like the Doobies or Joe Cocker or James Brown or so on and so forth. Yeah, I mean, that was it. working with the Doobies and got to work at uh, in Sausalito, and uh, which is of course beautiful, really beautiful. That was a really cool experience.
0: A singer named Sean McDermott has recorded a lot of your songs.
1: Yes, Sean.
0: Speaking personally, I love the album he did, the Sean McDermott album, You're Not Alone.
1: Thank you, thank you. Sean is just one of these wonderful voices that should be, and should be heard more. But, you know, the business is very capricious. And, but I love the fact that Sean keeps pushing and that he came out with this record after we worked together. You know, I think, you know, I, I love the songs I wrote for him and the ones, you know, I produce. I also think it's a wonderful record. Very, very, uh, very special record. And I thought his interpretations and the versions of the songs were really, really interesting. It was a pleasure to work with him. A really, really nice guy. And one thing I have to say is that when you get to work with talented people who are equally as nice. That's one of those experiences that you really hold on to.
0: In the background earlier, we heard a whole bunch of people in your house. You were having a Christmas party and people were gathering in. Yeah. Personally, I've found it's easier to do something creative when there's a lot of hustle and bustle. So what kind of setting do you like?
1: Well, honestly, I love the hustle and bustle. The only reason I got out of the chair was because I couldn't hear anything you he were saying. You know, <laughs> the clanking and there's dogs and, uh, you know, my, my daughter is home from college. She's going to, uh, she's at NYU Tisch School of Film in New York. So she's home and then we have, uh, an, an artist that's lived with us for a while and, and, they're all, who's her age and they're all, you know, friends and also all that hustle and bustle. But actually, I like the hustle and bustle. I have a, I have a favorite leather chair that I sit in and, uh, which I don't budge from when I'm writing. And they could be talking around me, the dogs would be barking, and it doesn't matter. I think I got my training in the New York subway system, sitting in the subways and the rattle and the the the, the, uh, the, the rumble, sitting on the train for hours writing lyric. But I think it's different for everybody. I just go into a zone and none of that bothers me. And I, I enjoy having people around.
0: It's like the sound of life happening.
1: It is no, it is it. It is true, and, and it doesn't matter if it distracts me for a moment. I think you're happy to be able. You, you're lucky, fortunate to be able to to create the environment that you want, and and I have, and that's part of it. Believe me, I wouldn't wouldn't change it. I certainly don't want to go to a lonely cabin somewhere and do my creating. That doesn't interest me.
0: What makes a good song a good song, in your opinion?
1: I don't have that answer. I think it's so subjective and. And so many different types of song I consider good, and good for different reasons. And I think just something in that song has to jump out at you. And something has to make an instant connection of some kind. Sometimes it's it's just a guitar riff. Sometimes, you know, when I first heard Happy Jack... By the who, it was the drums. It's so different. Songwriting and songs is something that you have to develop. You have to develop an instinct for, and then you form your context of some kind. Obviously, we want a good hook, but what that hook is varies some songs have big hooks some songs the hook is in the melody or in the tempo or in the beat or sometimes even in the quality of the production Songwriting writing has been transformed over the years and we used to be able to uh, pitch a song sitting with a guitar or a piano playing it for somebody and they'd go hey great let's cut that and today you can't do that today you have to at least have a really good production demo production of the song in, the, in, or, in order to pitch it and so production has become really important in in, uh, in songwriting, not that it always wasn't, but it was sort of that came after the writing of the song. Today, in many instances, it's part and parcel of the writing of the songs. I don't know. I like songs of so many different kinds, and that's not a question anybody can answer in absolute terms.
0: What inspires you the most?
1: What inspires me? I don't know. I mean, you just sit down and you go into yourself, and then and then something arises and it's the beginning of a of a song or or a lyric sometimes i'll write a lyric without melodies and I have a lot of lyrics i don't know it gets just life living going out Experiencing things and, and feeling things. I think feeling things deeply inspires me. What inspires me about people, it, 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 you know, which is I think a lot in a lot of the songs I write is how you transcend the, the hardships, the, the disappointments, the heartbreak. I mean, how we as how we go forward and transcend that, and so get up and be happy to get up in the morning. That type of feeling inspires me, but nothing that specific.
0: We're talking with Charlie Midnight, songwriter and record producer. When it comes to producing, do you consider yourself a perfectionist?
1: That depends what you mean by perfectionist. I'm not a perfectionist in terms of that every beat has to be on, and every note has to be precisely in tune. I'm not a perfectionist in that sense, but I think, like anybody else does production or songwriting or anything creative, the perfectionism is, again, subjective. It's, I want to get it to the point where I feel great about it. I want to get it to the point where I feel that it delivers whatever the intent was. And, again, that depends, depends upon the project. But, I, I, I mean, I, I don't think I'm a perfectionist in a technical sense, but I think in an emotional sense, I'm a perfectionist and that I want, to, I want to attain whatever we've reached for.
0: You mentioned Bob Dylan and Leonard Cohen as two songwriters who have influenced you. Who are some of the other greatest songwriters in your opinion?
1: I love Jimmy Webb. I think he hits the mark for me so many times. There's a certain combination of that way that he writes lyrics that sometimes has an open-ended feeling to it, you know, open for interpretation that I really love. I don't know, the usual, the Rolling Stones, the Beatles, you know, I mean, pure songwriters, like I said, Jimmy Webb, uh, John Fogarty. But I think the classics, the ones that have through the years and given us given us great songs with great lyric i love ray davies for what he does for the wit of his songwriting i love jamie johnson i think jamie's a great songwriter <laughs> and prolific very prolific that guy doesn't stop and i think uh, and again i think it's all with him it's all it's all feeling and certainly he's not I i wouldn't call him a perfectionist in terms of wanting every single note perfect night to me he's a throwback to much of the music that I grew up on and and which I love so dearly, where it's more about the emotion than the perfection of the track, as it were. And Joni Mitchell, I think, again, because she expanded certain boundaries of songwriting.
0: I read that you are a big fan of Woody Allen.
1: Where did you read that? You know, I am a big fan. I'm not sure. That, I don't know if that's been written anywhere, but I am a huge fan of Woody Allen. But Dan Hartman. Was a really huge fan of Woody Allen, and at the time he died, had tapes of every Woody Allen movie that I- existing. So we had that in common. I, yeah, I, I love Woody Allen because I am honestly a. I've been living in Hollywood a long time, but for me, it's always been. I can be here 40 years. It's always been temporary because I am. I'm a New Yorker in my blood, and Woody Allen to me, his the New York he portrays is is what we all wanted. By the way, did you see Midnight in Paris?
0: Definitely. I loved it.
1: Loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it. And I I also thought that Owen Wilson was the best Woody Allen substitute ever. Amen. I I think he really got the Woody Allen, that sort of slightly insecure persona, that smart persona that, that Woody Allen has. Do you
0: have a favorite Woody Allen movie?
1: Favorite movie? Let me see. Okay. That's really my favorite Woody Allen movie. Of course, I love Annie Hall, which is the classic in which Paul Simon does a really good job of playing a music business bag. Um, <laughs> he was great in it, right? He was great. Yeah. It was pitch perfect, I thought. I mean, I love Manhattan. I think Manhattan is really beautiful when the girl tells him at the end that he has to have a little more faith in people. And I thought that was... Uh, He's he's sort of befuddled Why she's moving on You know, I like the funny ones Like Take the Money and Run Which is completely different But it's a laugh a minute I mean, he can be so funny But I think those I think Manhattan And Annie Hall, of course Which, no, I can watch If if I'm I'm late at night And I'm turning on TV Annie Annie Hall is on It doesn't matter I could watch a scene I could watch from the middle I could watch it from the end backwards And it doesn't matter I love it
0: what is the best thing about being Charlie Midnight? The
1: best thing, first of all, is being at Charlie Midnight is having Charlie Midnight's family. I've been very fortunate to be with my wife, Susanna, for, well. Twenty-three years. We have a beautiful daughter. That's an NYU. I have an older daughter. And the best thing about Charlie Midnight is being able to do what I love, be doing it for decades, and wake up and have the same enthusiasm as I did, you know, when I was twenty-five or or, or thirty. I mean, and nothing has really changed. I mean, I've been, been very fortunate to continue to do it today. That people want me to do it. <laughs> that's, you know, that's. It's still amazing to me coming from where I came from in the. Working class, and they've been Bets and Hearst where there's no such thing as a celebrity, uh, you know. And um, although we did have the brother, one of my friends, who did have a one bit part in some soap opera, and that was a big deal. But you know, I guess best part of being Charlie Midnight is being able to do this and to and to it at the same time share it with my family.
0: For anyone who is listening to this interview, what would you, Charlie Midnight, like to say to those people?
1: I would say that. If you have a passion and it doesn't matter where you come from, who you are, especially in this country in the United States, we're very fortunate that these opportunities exist. If you have a passion to do something and you can't think of, of almost as life without doing it Go after it. Don't let anybody dissuade you. Don't let the naysayers, the gloom and doom, the business is this, the business is that. It doesn't matter because that's not why you're doing it. You're doing it because you have this. You were born with this desire to. Whatever it is and whatever field it is, go and do it. And don't let anybody dissuade you because you get you get your shot at it. And at some point, if, if you with persistence and develop relationships and persistence and being able to collaborate with people, I would just say go after it. That's all. That's what I would like to say. Don't let anybody dissuade you. Music, if you want to create music, create music, especially today, where there's so many more ways of getting music out than there was when I was young. That's a good thing because if you have the the passion to create, you can create it and actually put it somewhere where somebody can can possibly hear it. You know, and we we had to do it through clubs, and which was a great training ground. But it's a little bit easier easier today to do that, and, and just do it for the right reasons. Do it because you love it, okay? And then if you decide you want a career out of it, go after it full steam ahead. Again, don't let don't let anybody tell you no. In other words, don't calculate the odds, because the odds are always going to look overwhelmingly against you. Forget about them.
0: Charlie Midnight, thank you so much for doing this interview.
1: Pleasure talking to you, and I appreciate it very much, and it is a pleasure talking to you, and keep on doing good work.
0: Thank you very, very much. Ladies and gentlemen, for more information on Charlie Midnight, you can visit the website charliemidnight.com.
1: Bop, bop, dealing, bop, bop. But ooh, pop, not, pock, cha, cha, a but, a yeah. A zika, waka, goodbye.